Hello, welcome back to a new episode of the Burning Eye podcast. I'm your host, Bridget Hart. Hope you have been having a great week, um, enjoying the sunshine or the rain, depending on where you are at the time. Today's episode, we chat to the brilliant Ross McFarland um, about his new pamphlet, which has just come out, called Life Goals of the Millennials or the Commune Manifesto. It is about growing up queer and not growing out of it. In the commune, they champion platonic love and commitment. They tell stories, find goods in those around them, hold fast in their beliefs and each other, and they face down the practicalities of a world not made for them. The commune manifesto has taken shape over 10 years of late night conversations in Glasgow's tenements. It is dedicated to every beautiful soul who feels lost on their own or terrified of losing their community as they grow older and feel the pressure to settle down. Finally, it is a personal statement of intent, an affirmation, a life goal to retain the joy that comes from our hard-fought and close-knit bonds. These poems visualise the hope that they have in a future together. Come join us in the commune. Ross McFarland writes soft and kind stories which he yells in a weak Glaswegian accent far too fast for anyone to understand. He wants to write the perfect simplicity of Onsind, stirred with the heady excitement in a crowd like Laura Jane Grace, and draw you slowly into the Craig Finn-esque world of his own creation. Self-titled Glasgow's number one support act, Ross has opened for touring poets and musicians alike, including Sabrina Bainham, Shane Coizan, Ruby Francisco, Ray Spoon, Petrol Girls, Throw Me Off the Bridge, and Jesus and His Judgmental Father. Catch him on megabuses searching for touring musicians to accost with poetry. You can also check out more stories by Ross through In The Work Spoken Word Theatre Company, where he has written for and performed in productions including A Matter of Time and The 900 Club, as well as touring the UK and Ireland with millennial drama Makeshift. He is a writer, producer on the queer horror audio drama Folkslore, which has won the Audioverse Award for Best New Storytelling Production and featured in the Atlantic's 50 Best Podcast of 2020. As ever, we hope you enjoyed today's episode and don't forget to visit burningeye.co.uk for all our most recent titles. Hey Bridget, how are you doing? I am all right. It's Wednesday, it feels like Friday. <laughs> oh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, if only every day was Friday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, my first, I mean, I always like to open with a really benign question. Uh, today's benign question is, if you could be a tree, what kind of tree would you be? Oh, this this requires some knowledge of, of trees. Um, I mean, you could just go with bendy I, tree if you wanted, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, like there, there was one in the park beside where I grew up that like kind of just was entirely like the branches all curved over so there was a little hidden spot in the middle I think I'd be one of those that's just oh, a, yeah that is that's a nice memory of a tree yeah that's nice something that you're like oh I could climb that oh I could be there just swinging my legs off the branches that would be nice yeah nice I like that I like a good tree that you could kind of climb into and and get lost in a bit yeah so uh your book's just come out Life Goals of the Millennials or the Commune Manifesto. I love how you couldn't decide which title to go with. So you were like, both. Let's just do both. 
<laughs> I did. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's so the it's named after the first poem in the pamphlet, and it was I I think almost the the title for that poem came up as I was writing it, and it was it was written like in a the original kind of draft of it was written in like in a day like I'd say like five five years ago or so, and just while I was writing it, I was like. Uh, there's there's definitely a joke in here somewhere and <laughs> you know the first title came up as like yeah this is roughly what we're talking about the second one was just this is just a bit of a joke that I find funny and as as um for anyone who's kind of had a look at the book you may notice lots of long silly titles um that was more of a decision while I was putting everything down in writing and um a, very much a Call back to my my love of ridiculous pop punk in, from the early 2000s. <laughs> I yeah. like long and silly titles. Yeah, and I love that. I love that nod to Panic at the Disco. <laughs> yeah. I was Fallout Boy. I'm, I'm not going to lie, Panic. Oh, Fallout. Of course. Yeah, of course. Fallout Boy. Of course. It's wild that they got so popular. I remember seeing them in a really tiny venue in Portsmouth. And me and my friend were like, is Pete Wentz gay? <laughs> definitely think he's gay and then about six months later they like blew up and became massive and we we're like oh he's yeah. he's the king of emo there we go <laughs> that, that did happen for a while like that decay dance i think it was was just like oh that's where all of everyone is just we're gonna take everyone who sounds like us now we're big and we're gonna put them here yeah um, <laughs> yeah and they were they were like my first first proper gig at a time when i thought you couldn't get tickets to gigs and my brother bought me a ticket and I was like, how did you come across this? Did you queue for days in order to get me this ticket, this amazing thing? I was like 12 years old. I didn't know how gigs work. <laughs> yeah, I remember that classic time of having to go physically to the box office of a venue and get a ticket from, from the box office. Um, and now it's all like online codes. You just download it or whatever. You, you refresh the page for hours to get the tickets that you want. It's wild how... The gig economy has developed so much, but I sort of miss that queuing at the box office and, oh, is it going to sell out before I get to the front of the queue? Yeah, it was always in, in Glasgow, it's ticket, it was Ticket Scotland or Ticket Office Scotland, which is just underneath Central Station Bridge. So it was just like this like tiny dingy bridge and like a bunch of anytime there was a big gig going on sale, it was just a big queue of people under the bridge <laughs> waiting to try <laughs> yeah. and get into this tiny little office that could hold about two people yeah. <laughs> where all the tickets were sold. Oh, good times. Good times. So um, Life Goals of the Millennials is obviously really informed by your years as uh, like a young DIY punk growing up in this scene where collective culture is um, vital to, to survivalship really and, and you know surviving that time not just through the music but through um, community and the people that you find there and the sort of close-knit relationships that you you form even the ones that you just form where you just continually see that person at gigs and you're like oh yeah you're that person I know from gigs yeah um in terms of putting the book together what was like the the main focus for you what was your driving force behind getting this pamphlet done so it took it took a little bit of time for me to work out what the pamphlet should look like in a lot of ways um I I kind of I've been performing for best part of 10 years now and I wanted to put something together and I think when you've when that that's the angle you come at writing something with you're kind of taking your own narrative the narratives from your own life 
that you have written about and then trying to kind of fit them into like one thing that in this case is about like 14 poems from you know uh and I kind of knew that commune was the going to be like a centerpiece of it in a lot and the commune the poem was going to be a centerpiece of the of the pamphlet however it kind of turned out because it was a centerpiece of my sets for as I say the best part of the last five years um and so I kind of thought right I'm building around this I'm building around these themes of of queerness of community of like kind of platonic love and commitment and this collectiveness um and so um as I wrote myself into it and kind of picked poems from I mean some of these poems are older than commune um I don't think there's anything all that much older at this point I think I cut a lot of stuff in the early drafts <laughs> but um but yes yeah, um the pamphlet itself is more of a documentation of the past kind of my, my last five years of thoughts on those ideas. It starts off with Commune, which is real, is not a realistic expectation. It's, it's, a, it's a dream world and it's, the, it's this idealism and it builds from there into something that's a bit more realistic and pulls together a lot of thoughts and ideas that I had around the idea of fucking off and starting a Commune. <laughs> and back when I was uh, younger I thought that would actually happen in the way that I kind of conceptualize it as this ideal and then when I got older um, when you get to the end of the pamphlet there's a poem that's just about like well maybe we could find houses that lived close by each other and actually just stay in each other's lives wouldn't that be nice <laughs> yeah I think definitely that like idealized like commune that commu community feel like I definitely also had that dream of like squatting somewhere and like all my pals living there and we'd have like a veg spot and like all of this stuff that would we'd be really self-sufficient and you know and then obviously you get older and reality kicks in and as millennials you know a lot of the dreams that we were sold to as kids are were never reachable as adults so we have to like come into this our own realization and I like what you were saying earlier about, you know, there's a lot of in the book about the idea of platonic love and how certainly for our generation, like the the radical act of platonic love. Um, I certainly noticed this as I was getting older and the sort of the the idea of uh, getting married, having babies and 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 separating from your friends at some point um, was something that didn't really um, gel with my idea of what life was, of what of what living was. And so I found this idea of platonic love to be a really radical thing in terms of creating your own families um, and, and choosing who you want to live with that you want to be intimate with in whatever way um, and I really like how you've interwoven that throughout the book and how so much of that is so relatable to people of our generation and people younger and coming through that kind of cycle of life of oh wait I can't do these things but what can I do um, and one of them is is having those relationships with people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like part of uh, so one one thing to say about that is that I was my kind of feature set for a long time um, when I was when I was performing was called No Romo Non Romantic Love Poems, <laughs> and I would I did that for for several years and mixed in poems and wrote new things for it, and it was just non romantic love poems that I'd written about my friends mainly, and some of that 
is is now in the is in the book where it where it kind of fit um and it is yeah it's it's always been really important to me i think it's it's not an inherently queer thing but it is a very it's very tied to queerness um especially for those who don't have close-knit um kind of um non-chosen families to have very chosen families and for those of us who decided that maybe spending all our time trying to work desperately hard so that we could live alone and be lonely a lot of the time or in order to stave off loneliness have a partner and a very heteronormative life in that way maybe that wasn't actually what we wanted and I think queerness is the lens through which we have to we have to confront these questions so much more often like we don't have a choice (laughs) and so it becomes really yeah it becomes really easy to be like well of course I don't want to do that and I want to do this and I want to live with my friends or I want to keep these really close relationships to me because I've had to you know I've had to think about this by necessity in a way that other people don't necessarily have to yeah for sure definitely I definitely feel that in my own life as well and I'm sure many people listening to this will also be nodding along verdantly and going yes 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 that's that's me um and I think you you cut you wrap that up so well in in the in the poems in the book and writing a pamphlet sometimes could be quite difficult because you're like oh yeah actually you know it's only a certain amount of poems but often you know you find actually I've got all of these other poems to go in but there's only a very limited uh, like amount of space how was that editing process for you in terms of like okay I need to pick the most definitive ones so um so this is this is where I get to be a little bit geeky I am a I'm a big spreadsheet person (laughs) I love spreadsheets to the extent I have written I've I've given workshops in the past on writing poetry via spreadsheet yeah oh my god (laughs) it's I just I really like making them work really like seamlessly and, and be very pretty so the first thing I did when I was and we're talking kind of I mean at this point maybe three years ago when I was like really seriously considering getting a pamphlet out was I put all my poems into a spreadsheet I marked them by a bunch of different metrics and themes and um, initially I had No Romo as like the concept I was just going to do a book called No, no Romo and have it just be non-romantic love poems um, but I think that that period of my work started very early on and I don't think a lot of the poems would have stood up as well to yeah. being written down because that's, that's another thing to know is, is like this is the first time a lot of these poems have been written down um, they were kind of sketched out initially and then I wrote, fully wrote and edited them finally on stage and then just memorised them. And so when I came to actually writing the pamphlet, it was literally writing down the pamphlet in a lot of ways. Uh, and I had probably about 30 poems and just kind of slowly knocked them off. Added a couple in the process, um, a couple of things. A couple of these were written in, in 2020, actually. Um which is they're definitely the most recent ones and I yeah I'm a big fan of set building so when I was doing anytime I was doing a 20 minute set or like 15 minutes or more I would try and build in a narrative to the set so I was really excited about the opportunity to be able to build in a narrative to a book in some way and I um I pulled together aspects of previous sets to try and get this together kind of themes and kind of narrative points that I want to hit along the way 
and then match the poems in. And I think up until, you know, up until my last draft went in, there were still poems coming in and out uh, of like, well, this, it could be either this poem or that poem. And I'm not sure which one is the best fit. But um, yeah, I had a lot of help on that <laughs> uh, from both uh, from both BB June and, and Ellen Renton, who are just wonderful humans and two of my favorite poets and uh, helped me a lot with getting this book together and getting it to be the best version of it that it could be. Uh, and that's, it's always nice to have people who know your work well enough to be like, nope, not that poem, use this one, or this one isn't working on page the way it should do, or it's not getting across the same message. Um, so yeah, it was it was a really fun process and it's made me want to write down more poems uh, rather than just, you know, have them in my head. So yeah, uh, so yeah, it's it like, well, a lot of work, a lot of really fun work and really, uh, it's very much interested me in how to do that aspect of the, of the job. Not that it was ever really part of the job that I envisioned myself having as a performer. <laughs> well, you've got the bug now, the writing bug. Yeah, that, um, that bridge between and we we've worked with a lot of performance artists in the past that are like yourself have never written down their stuff for the page uh and they sort of come to us and uh, it's all in paragraphs because that's how they would just read it off of the page or whatever when they're when they're performing and um yeah some people find it a real challenge to to take it from the stage and put it down on on the page and think about how it's going to look like there but I think you've done a really good job in terms of using the space on the page uh as as a sort of movement or whatever that you would do in a natural uh, performance type way um and that's sort of the heart of burning eye really it's that like um negotiation that translation from live performance onto a page so that people can take that book home uh, and get into it um and keep and still keep that essence of the performance there with it as well yeah um I which oh sorry go on I, oh, I was just gonna say that like yeah I I really enjoyed the process and I think like my the my main takeaway was they can be totally different pieces in a lot of ways like yeah can, I still have the stage versions memorized and when I get on stage I'll probably still do those but it's nice to have like this different version this is the version that works on the page and it's the one that I'm happy putting out there on the page and it's yeah and just like separating those things in my mind and allowing myself the ability, like the the kind of um, the permission to change them drastically in a lot of cases uh, was was quite freeing and let me play around with some poems that are are quite old at this point and uh, and see them in a different way. It was quite it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we like to call it the live version and the album version. Um, I was I was really tempted to do unabridged versions. I know. <laughs> I'd do an actual album for Bandcamp. That yeah. might still happen. I need to annoy yeah, I mean, brother Bandcamp, about music. It's always there, isn't it? The temptation to do it. But maybe you should, maybe you should. Um, uh, but yeah, I love that, yeah, what you were saying about, like, keeping a version for yourself that's for performance. Uh, and then when people buy books at live events, they get to take home a slightly different version then that they can be like, oh, this is slightly different from, from the performance one, uh, which, again, is, is really um, just adds to the poem, I think, you know, having that, like, different layers of it and different ways that it can be uh, digested by people as well. Um, just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the sort of um, the Glasgow uh, spoken word scene, really. Um, I like to, people that live far away from me, I'm like, what's your scene like? Tell me about 
your scene? Oh, well, I... Glasgow has Glasgow is an interesting scene. It's a particularly interesting scene at the moment, which I think every scene is, as it comes out of the last, I say comes out of the last two years, deals with the new the new world we found ourselves in, re-live events. Uh, um, so yeah, I've been performing around Glasgow since about 2013. Um, and it's had it's it does what I believe every scene in every subculture does, which has its it has its peaks, it has its troughs, and it all works in cycles. Right now, we're it feels like we're building back up to something after maybe about three or four years ago. Around Scotland, there were you know fifty spoken word nights a month, and well, the majority of those in Glasgow. Um, and now we're in, there was a bit of a lull pre-pandemic and. Um, now in the last, as as events start going again, we are seeing more and more things open up and more and more new voices coming through to the scene. Um, and it's it's been wonderful. It's uh, I ran a poetry event and a monthly open mic back in, I want to say 2015-ish. Um, and that, I really enjoyed it. And I, I kind of, I, I let it go on to the next person after a little while. And it kind of, it cycled through um, organizers for a long time, but it was just, it was so much fun. And I needed a break to go work on some other stuff to go work with them um, within the works and work on theater and things like that. Um, but I've only just started, I, I kind of got the bug uh, in early 20 and kind of late 2019 to start doing that again. I missed seeing new voices coming up. So we did a couple of them in 2020, then had to stop and we just started back up. And it's been so nice, like just seeing people come through and try poetry and try performing for the first time, even if they never come back or they never do it again. We have a few people who started out at the event. We ran a slam and I think six out of the 12 people had never performed before and they came and did a slam with us. And it was so much fun. Uh, it's just nice to see people kind of getting up and trying it again. And, you know, one of our regulars who comes along actually started at my the last night I ran and is now doing is really successful is doing really well for herself and she's coming along regularly to this night again it's so I think there's like there's positive things to be seen in the Glasgow scene and it's it's nice to see it kind of filled with new voices and new people again and um and getting to know them has been has been absolutely wonderful for me because I have I've definitely missed that yeah I know what you mean about the new voices coming in it is really exciting to get some fresh meat in <laughs> and see that going that sounds great I'm so I really need to come up and check out the scene um it sounds really nice love um, to have you of course yeah well you know I'll just turn up be like got a sofa <laughs> <laughs> always on open couch policy always excellent excellent um uh and yeah and now you have uh, a book which was obviously a great difference from from sort of pre-pandemic like what's uh what's your plan for the book do you have a book launch coming up so i do have a big lunch coming up it's at that night that i run uh, it's called candlelight open make um it runs out of the auto which for my money is the best pub in glasgow it was a kind of 18th century uh, uh, 19th century gin, Victorian gin palace and it has all the same fittings that it did back in like 1870 um like all the the decorations and the mirrors in the wall are all like 
you know, well over a hundred years old, about 150 years old. Oh my God, that and sounds perfect. <laughs> yeah, they they approached me about it in kind of late 2019. Like, do you want to run a spoken word night here? I was like, absolutely. I love this bar. Um, so I will be running, I'll be running a wee book launch, which will just be the open mic. And then I'm going to do a wee bit at the end. And we're going to have a wee bit of a launch party. And um, that will be on the 6th of June, um, Monday night. Uh, and the, the open mic then runs every first Monday of every month. Um, uh, um, so I'll be doing that. I've got a wee gig in Aberdeen um, a few days before that, uh, which, oh, terribly, I cannot remember the name. It's the relaunch of an, a night that used to be on in Aberdeen. Uh, but if you if if that is somewhere where you are and you're looking to come and see it, I will be posting about it on socials very soon. And um, I have another gig in Govan in Glasgow just the day before at Communities in the Park. Um, and after that, I would like to be back on tour very soon. I'm working out some stuff uh, in terms of what timings would work, but even if it's um, next year, I think I'll be hopefully a lot more available around the UK again, um, because that's what I did for the majority of 2019 was be on tour. And I think I got to the end of 2019 and said, right, that's what I'm going to do forever. That was wonderful. Um, <laughs> I never, you know, I never want to have another year where I'm not touring. And life had other plans. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, so hopefully, fingers crossed, um, uh, very soon we'll be back out on tour. I think uh, myself and BB Jin will be doing a lot of, of co-promoing. Um, yes, yes, yes. We, yeah, you guys have to do something in the South. You have to come down, do something down here. It'd be great to see you, um, uh, both of you, because obviously BB today, Wednesday, the day of recording this is the day that BB, um, BB's pamphlet comes out. Um, it's so nice to have you both back to back as well, like a little, yeah. like a little duo. <laughs> I have been waiting for that pamphlet for the best part of like three, four years, and I like Kenzie Scale is just incredible. Like I've I've read drafts of of the pamphlet itself, and it is. The whole pamphlet's wonderful. Kenzie Scale as a poem is just ridiculous. It's unfair, uh, the talent that they have. Um, and yeah, actually, the, the tour that I was on in 2019 was me and Bibi. So it's going to be really awkward to just, like, kind of contact all the, the, the promoters again and be like, hey, it's us again. You want to... <laughs> I don't think you back? need to worry. No, that's basically what Henry Raby and I have done a lot. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it we've both done that a lot um but it's nice to have that you know be on the road with somebody and and you know and again bringing back to that you know that close close-knit friendship and like uh, creating together and putting stuff out at the same time like it's really lovely and and I'm really glad that we could facilitate that for both of you um so that your books came out sort of the week after each other yeah um, it's 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 not I think what we we planned because I think we gave you dates separately I think we we initially were like oh well I'll be taking like you know a bit earlier than you or I'll have it ready by then and then we could have got it through it was like oh well this works we can just <laughs> yeah. promo everything wonderful it's just the uh, way it goes sometimes with the scheduling but yeah I'm very glad and obviously massive congratulations on the pamphlet like it's beautiful and I love the cover. I love everything about it. Um, it was one of my favourites to read in the submissions last year as well. Um, so congratulations. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. And thanks 
for your help in, in getting it put together. And I'm just going to apologize because I'm sure my mic is picking up and has picked up throughout this. My cat scratching at the door trying to get in. I actually haven't heard anything, so you might be OK. Good, good. I feel like I feel like a terrible cat dad. <laughs> just like... <laughs> well, I won't let the cat wait any longer. Would you like to see us out with a poem from the book? Uh, absolutely. Um... Okay, so this um, this is one of the poems I actually wrote in 2020. Um, it is called Hi, Bye Boy. Meet a girl, fall in love. Meet a boy, meet a straight boy, meet a nervous boy, meet a boy who makes you nervous. Meet a girl, fall in love. Meet a boy, meet a straight boy meet a friend meet a boy who needs a friend meet a girl fall in love meet a person meet a person at the wrong time meet a person but you're in love meet a person not in love meet a girl fall in love now meet another boy Meet the boy and spend a night enraptured meet the boy a second time excited Meet the boy who met the girl, fell in love. Meet boys who like you because you don't look like you like boys. Meet boys who like you until they find out you like girls. Meet no one for a while. Meet someone. At the back of every bar, at the end of every gig, in the breath after a confession who asks you about the boys you've met and loved. I promise you, I met a boy I could have loved. I met a boy I could have loved. I met a boy I could have loved. Cheers. Yay! I think applause is very important. <laughs> Thank you very much. Podcast. Even on a podcast. <laughs> Uh, for those of you listening at home, you can get Ross's pamphlet, Life Goals of the Millennials, or the Commune Manifesto from our web store, which is burningeye.co.uk, or as we absolutely recommend, go direct to the artists themselves. Ross, where can people get your book? So you can um, you can come find me at a gig or book me for a gig, and I'll even sell a bunch of them there. Hopefully, that's the dream. Uh, <laughs> capitalism, woo! Um, and the other the other thing, which she'll be up tomorrow on day of recording so probably will be up by the time this podcast is up is uh, you can find uh, my pamphlet and soon Bibi's pamphlet on um, our Etsy that's uh, the In the Works Theatre uh, Spoken Word Theatre Company Etsy page which you can find through intheworkstheatre.com or through um, myself on uh, sorry myself on Twitter or Facebook I am uh, who am I on Twitter? Um, <laughs> that is the question a, we all yeah, ask that is, ourselves. That's quite a question. Uh, <laughs> Ross D. McFarlane Poetry on Instagram. That's a good way to go. Ross D. McFarlane Poetry on uh, Instagram or um, in the works uh, spoken word theatre on any of the social medias. And you can find our Etsy where we will have uh, life goals and Kinsey scale as of tomorrow. Great. I'll put all the links to that in the description for this episode. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and big thank you to you, Ross. Thank you so much. And massive congratulations on the book. Oh, thanks so much for having me on.